amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. E-L-C. Yeah! When that robot voice pops in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to... Woo! Especially if you're one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They bring the show to you. Their generosity, their kindness, their support of this show makes it possible. And in exchange, they get some cool stuff, including ad-free versions of the show, video versions of the show on demand, and tons of bonus content, including a bonus show we call Feeling This with Christian Spicer and Alex Solman giving you... The feelings behind video games. We got a whole first season of that show available on demand right now for patrons. And season two is being recorded. So you have that to look forward to. Plus, you got bonus chats. We're going to be doing the DLC book club. And for Cool Ranch level patrons on Wednesdays, oh, you get the wackiness, the fun, the zaniness that is the paid DLC program where Christian Spicer, myself, and Lana Bashinsky get together. And talk about whatever we happen to be talking about. It's a wild, fun time. People love it. And you can experience it by supporting the show at patreon.com slash DLC pod. But this show, the main show, DLC, it's the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. This spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, slash nemesis and still intercontinental champion mr christian spicer hello christian welcome back thank you hello jeff hello listeners and also up top i want to say this is posted in our discord but not the super public place so i'll keep names out of it but to our friends in arkansas and the tornadoes and that terrible damage um i've seen you know we, we've seen the the community, we empathize. We are here for you. Um, that Discord is certainly a wonderful place to be uh, with some great folks. But um, my goodness, we are glad you are safe. And holy crap, nature Indeed. is a yeah. wild one. I mean, it's yeah, yes. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, you also just got back from some travel. Uh, you were in uh, you were in Hawaii, right? We were in Maui. We landed this morning at 1 a.m. and uh, had a very busy day. And I'm very excited to be here talking video games and settling back into the routine, i.e. before tomorrow morning when I have to rip my children out of bed 
and send them to school and they will not be happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had that last week. We had our spring break the week before. So I've been through that already. It's fun. It's a delight. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, we got tons to talk about this week. Oh my goodness. The news is intense. <laughs> it is, it is, uh, there's a lot of it. And we got games to talk about. We got a bunch of VR to get to. Oh man, it's gonna be a great show. And you know what? We have an awesome guest to do it with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, I'm excited because DLC stands for Distinctive Learned Capability because that's a technique. And we have the man known as Technique, actor, host, voice actor, Twitch ambassador, Amazon Luna ambassador. It's Frank Ellerby joining us for the first time. Hey, Frank. Hey, how's it going, both of you? Thank you very much for having you, having me here. And also to all the listeners, hello. Yeah, man, it's great to, to have here. you. We've been wanting to have you on for a while. And um, man, what a week to do it. We got so much to dig into. Let's hop right in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send us comments, questions, anything you'd like us to know. We love hearing from you over there at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also love when you take part in our communities. We have a subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And we also have a Discord, as Christian already mentioned, fantastic folks hanging out in the Discord. It's 5x5DLC on Discord as well. Join up, hang out, talk games and all sorts of other things. Be part of a great community in those places. But Technique, you yes. are our guest. So you Hello. get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I mean, we, we have to go with the, uh, the unbearable news of the E3. Um, Yes, that that touches a a deep place inside of my heart, because ever since I was little, I had to dream or young, I should say, I had the dream of being uh, at E3 or even hosting E3. And I got to do that multiple times. And it was a dream come true. And it was an experience that you can't really talk about. You just got to have to be there, you know, and that may not happen anymore. So (laughs) it certainly looks like uh, this is the true death knell. Uh, You know, we've we've seen. Many times not knowing whether E3 was coming back. It has had this rocky last several years. Obviously, COVID having a big part of that, uh, not having in-person events. But even before that, it felt like things were splintering. We were sawing, we're seeing the uh, the Nintendo directification of the entire industry. Other, uh, you know, we had EA splitting off and doing their own thing. Microsoft splitting off, although it was right next door, so it was kind of still there. But it was still <laughs> sort of splintering. We saw this percolating, this this trend toward E3 kind of fraying at its edges. And we have spent many episodes over the last several years pontificating, speculating, wondering about the future of E3, whether it is ending this year, it was lined up to make its big comeback. We had been hearing about E3. You know, it was being handled by the folks that did the PAXs. It was in new hands. It was going to come back with a vengeance. One of the hosts on this very show predicted, famously, in our annual predictions episode, that E3 was going to be a smashing success. 
I don't know who that might have been. Certainly wasn't <laughs> me. Uh, and here we have an official cancellation from the ESA uh, that 2023's E3 is not happening. Now, the last several weeks, we've been hearing, you know, we knew Sony wasn't going to be there. Sony hasn't been at E3 in several years. We knew Microsoft wasn't going to be there. Microsoft hasn't been officially at E3 in several years. But the dominoes kept falling. We saw just last week, Ubisoft said, no, nope, we're not going. Uh, it, it really felt like all of the big publishers, Nintendo, who was a mainstay with a giant booth every year at E3, even if they were doing their tree houses and their live streams and their directs, they still were there on the show floor showing stuff with that double-decker uh, booth that they always had. Nintendo said, eh, not us this year. It felt like it was going to be a ghost town. E ESA evidently saw the writing on the wall and just, instead of making it an excruciating experience for all involved. They just nixed it. Frank, uh, you know, you, you outline the fact that you have, you've been to E3, you have hosted at E3. We can eulogize about it. And I want to do that. I think it's worthy of eulogizing, but before we get there, do you think this is it? Do you think this is finally, truly the, the end? They, they themselves, ESA is saying, we're going to regroup and there'll be future E3s. We don't know. Do you think this is really truly it? I, I think we're taking a shift. Um, a lot of the companies are making a lot of budget cuts lately. Uh, digital is the way to go. It's, uh, you know, you don't have to howl a bunch of people inside of an area. You don't have to worry about sickness and all these debacles going back and forth. You can edit on the fly. I mean, technology is so good now and you can host from home. You don't have to pay for flights. Yeah. So I, I think that's where we're going. And Jeff Keighley, I mean, at Game Awards, man, that's that's truly RE3 at the end of the day, right? So uh, I think they should just pass the baton. You know, E3 can do some digital stuff, uh, maybe digital hosting and put everything in one place. But I just don't think that in-person E3 is going to be anything it was. I just think that we all just need to move on from it, including E3, and mm. find a way to adapt to the digital age. I think that's well said. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it is a vestige of a different time. It, it, it was There was a time when we needed to assemble all the people that wrote in all the publications to one place and show them things so that they could disseminate that information. You don't need to do that anymore. The information can be disseminated from the source. They can have more control over that message. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it, it is much cheaper. The idea, I think, that E3, the ESA, was charging folks probably a whole lot of money to to be on that show floor I, I don't it seems obvious to me that those companies would look at that expense and go why why what do we get out of that um and as sad as it is for folks like us that have enjoyed those times and had camaraderie with folks that we see in person only in those types of events to see these th that contract and lose that opportunity to reconnect with friends and have those experiences is sad but you kind of can't blame the companies for going, no, why, why? We don't need this. We have our own messaging. We don't want to be swallowed up in the chaos of all these other companies. We can have these individual moments and carve out our own spotlight. I get it, but it is sad. Christian, you predicted the exact opposite of this. No, no, no. I predicted E3 would be great this year. Uh -huh. And sometimes the best E3... <laughs> 
<laughs> You're going to try and spin it's, this as an accurate prediction. It's, it's no so great. Three. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> you got to know when to hold them, uh-huh. when to fold them. Look, if, if there can be an entire genre of music, i.e. country, dedicated to the art of knowing when you've been beaten, when you should walk mm-hmm. away, when your truck's d- destroyed, your dog left you, your girlfriend left you, your boyfriend left you. Sometimes uh-huh. this achy, breaky heart knows that it's time just to pack it up, pack it in, and that can be the best thing you, you can have going for you. You know, the best uh-huh. thing, uh-huh. look, look, I mean, No one's buying this. No one's Jeff, buying it, Christian. Jeff, 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 Jeff. The best E3 is the $50 t-shirt you buy next year because <laughs> E3 is just a t-shirt brand. That's, mm. that's the best. Yeah. The best. So, I mean, to, yeah. to your well, point go about like getting journalists together and stuff like that, this isn't the reckoning, Jeff. We got to wait till January for, to, for you to dredge this up again. Oh, I get uh, to do it twice. I get to double dip. That's my, <laughs> that's the joy. It's early enough in the year that I'm going to get to double dip again in December when we talk about our I guess predictions it is. for the year. I guess it is E3. So yeah, I think you get triple dips, I think, with this. Uh, one on each end, rip it in half, dip again. Um, not only is it not required necessarily to get journalists and enthusiasts press together, it's not required to get product buyers together right. in the same way. Where right. like that's kind of the genesis of this was off of uh, things like CES and you're buying right. purchasers together, bringing, buying, bringing yeah. purchasers together. And now, for example, the Steam Deck is just sold from Steam directly. Uh, PlayStation VR 2 in the US just sold directly. Most video games purchases now are done digitally and so sold directly to the consumer. And so the idea that Walmart needs to sit there and go, we'll take 10,000 um, Apex Legends, please. Right. It just doesn't exist anymore. But my the thing that I think that resonated with me the most after this news kind of hit were kind of the op-eds and thoughts about how this was in Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft's best interest. The While we, the three of us, might like to sit here and say who had the best press conference, what trailer was the best, oh, Tears of the Kingdom looked awesome and Starfield looked a little weak. Like, they they don't want that. No, no billion dollar company wants to be known as the crappy conference, <laughs> you know, at an e, at an E3. In this way, Sony can do a state of play and we'll talk about it and be like, it was a pretty good one. Ghost of Tsushima 2 looked great. And Nintendo can do one. We'll be like, Mario Galaxy 2 looked great. <laughs> and then Microsoft will do one. And it'll be like, oh, look, this new version of Halo looks great. And that's all there is. And there's not this fight, you know, this cage match that happens when you put all the big dogs in the yard together at the same time take off the leash. So it bums me out big time. I think for many of the reasons Frank brought up of like this dream of, of being there and experiencing it. I think the, the stories and camaraderie you get that aren't prepackaged, you know, sitting at the bar at the hotel lobby or after a hands-on demo, having a genuine moment with a, you know, person at a a publisher or or, um, developer and, I'm going to miss those, but yeah, whoever made that prediction this year was a big dumb dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Frank, tell yes. me maybe something, some of your favorite moments from E3 or, or, you know, something that you'll remember. Um, you know, I, I guess it, 
it's worth taking a moment and reflecting on what it was and why mm. people like us thought it was special. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the day, I'll be, I'll be 40 in, uh, November. So back in the day, we didn't have the pleasure of sitting across the table from a celebrity, like a, you know, a, a triple, you know, a, you know, a or S rank celebrity tier celebrity, um, that are voicing in a game or acting in a game. Keanu Reeves was, you know, like right there was talking to him, you know, can yeah. touch him. So to speak, you didn't want to touch him. Don't touch him. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> he will John wick you. He will, yeah, John he, he will you. do this, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, having that accessibility to devs and stuff that makes these games that you grew up with, that you loved and that are continuing to do it. That was something special. You know, we had that, that linear system to where you could tell the person that made the video game that you loved how much you care for this industry and what they're doing for it. That has devolved into criticism and pointing fingers about why games are bad. A lot of people that don't know anything about making games start to criticize devs, which made it very hard, right? Threats and all that stuff. So I can see the back and forth with E3, but the magical part of it is all that subsides when you're in person. Because a lot of people don't have that computer to sit there and protect them from all the naysays. But at the same time, they can see human-to-human interactions. Because a lot of us kind of lose touch when we're behind the screen. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think having that is good. Now, in place of that is the fact that this year has been an influx of press and creator, influencer, actor interactions on a personal level. Um, I had that with Capcom and Redfall, and I just got back from from Star Wars uh, Jedi Survivor. And that was better than the E3 experience. Mm. You know, even though I loved it. I love being able to go into these these big auditoriums and and you and you're seeing you seeing Uncle Xbox up there and you know and <laughs> Nintendo and everybody like talking and getting hyped about stuff. Yeah. But you're right. There was so much pressure behind those walls, right? You know, of of getting playable demos ready or getting uh non only cutscene footages with we want gameplay, you know, getting that ready. But now having that digital experience, they can show off what they want over the course of time. So now I'm like, I miss hosting it. God, I miss hosting it. It was a dream come true, but I've been there and done that. And I understand the situation of and how much money goes behind having these venues. The yeah, flying you were expensive. Was a, yes, <laughs> so expensive. I saw a booth price and I literally was just like, why are you doing this? And they were like, yeah, that's why we're not doing it next year. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the exhaustion of flying out and going there and doing all this stuff, that stuff I'm happy not to do anymore. But there will be a part of me still crying inside to not be able to be there. It was E3, man. Like that was the biggest event, but it's not the biggest event anymore. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that I agree with all of that. I mean, it's, it's, uh, the pomp and circumstance was joyous. You yes. know, there was a time when it was it, 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 the, the size and scale of it and being there and you walk into the thing and they, they built a replica of the set from inside a video game and you're mm-hmm. sitting there and then this giant screen comes on with awesome sound and you're seeing this thing for the first time and you're right there sharing molecules with the developers and some guy gets up and, and, and or, you know, or, or lady gets up and, and introduces it for the 400th time that day and you hear the exhaustion in their voice but you're still so excited and you know it's uh, you know there was it's exhausting it was always exhausting running from 
place to place from hall to hall, you know, invariably you'd have a meeting back to back in two different <laughs> halls every, you know, oh. every hour, you know, you're running back and forth. Yeah. It, you know, th- there's a lot of stuff that was, you know, that, that was exhausting and trying and, and frustrating and, but it was all part of it. You know, you, mm-hmm. you had like three, four days of just everything all at once drinking from the fire hose of video games. And, you know, we've talked a lot, Christian, about that thing of you go to E3 and you always come back with, you know, two or three or half a dozen games that you didn't even know you were excited about before you left. You didn't even mm-hmm. know about them. You kind of walked by a, a, a thing and you saw you know, this display for this thing you didn't even know about. And you kind of walked up to it and you got some hands on. And there was those that kind of discoverability that you had at E3 that was fun. And, uh, you know, that and the people, the people, it was always special to have, be around people that you didn't see except for those moments. And you have these relationships and you, you pick right up where you left off from the last year or whatever. And, and, and that's going to be a, a sad thing to lose. Uh, I, I was trying to remember what my first year of E3 was. It, it's it, early 2000, somewhere 2002, maybe 2003, somewhere around in there. I can't remember what exactly it was, but the first year I went to E3 I finagled my way in. I was working at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles as in the box office. And and my manager and myself wrote in and said we were we're buyers for the Hollywood Bowl uh gift shop and we needed to go. And we we finagled our way. I wasn't involved in the video game industry. I hadn't, hadn't been doing that in in a while and so we like got in and it felt like this coup and we, you know, we, we felt like we were kind of being transgressive, but it was amazing to be there mm. and it was so fun. Mm. And then like just a few years later, I was covering video games officially and invited there. And it was, it just, it felt like the destination, mm-hmm. you know, as you, as you said, Frank, um, and, and, and I, you know, covering it in the years when I can't remember what year it was, but there was a year when they, it it turned into just only um, appointments and there was no Mm. show floor. And, you know, the, like you would go to each booth and they'd have different lemon bars, you know, and I would, it was like, I was, I remember sampling each lemon bar in each different meeting and, you know, the, the terrible lunches that we would have and the, you know, it, it, and the smells of E3 and the, the crazy floor demonstrations. I was there the year they had that, Tony Hawk half pipe and the fire uh, breathers and just like, man, what a piece of cultural history that E3 yeah. was, you know, it's just like booth it, babes booth babes. everywhere. Oh my Remember God. That? God. Going to, going to a Nintendo <laughs> unveiling and literally having women with the handheld console that they were unveiling yeah, strapped to their bodies. <laughs> like they were the security <laughs> device was a woman. Crazy. Oh, Crazy. Anyway, Christian, any uh, any any memories to add to that pile? Well, I was say it also. I think speaks to the maturation of video games. You know, people like to talk about like our games are like yes, they are, and we've known that for a while. But that kind of argument gets brought up over and over and over again. And I think, unfortunately, to some extent, the death of E three shows that video games don't need to all get together to be mainstream news anymore. Mm-hmm. That used to need to be like right. Captain Planet, you know, like Nintendo, right. Sega, Turbo Graphics. With our powers combined, we'll yeah. get a tiny column yeah. in USA Today, <laughs> you right. know. And now it's like GTA GTA Five's like uh, I've been out since PlayStation Three, and I'm still pulling in all the money. So uh, I don't need you, Avatar. Oh, you made a billion! Congrats. 
Fortnite donated that, <laughs> you know, yeah. like we made yeah. so much, we donated that. Um, I'm exaggerating. I don't think they've donated quite a billion yet, but it's probably gotten close. And so I think part of that, because games are so big and the largest form of entertainment, the idea of an E3 isn't necessary to drum up that right. that buzz. I think the thing, and I've talked to you about this a little bit, Jeff, just kind of like in passing, um, I guess the thing that I'll miss about E3, it, it's a little odd. It's a, I'm going to try to thread the needle. So I'm going to back up a little bit. I think Democritus, the gatekeeping of E3 was problematic. There were ways to finagle your way in, but it was a gate-kept event. And I think mm-hmm. oftentimes with gatekeeping, there are a lot of problems. And you see that across the industry till still today. There's gatekeeping, and that's problematic. Um, the other side of that is unrestrained lies. You know, like bought, paid for. There's no governing board over it someone on tiktok is giving financial advice that is paid for by the company that does the advice or like when twitch was deep in gambling streams and like there's like too far democratization right like just the wild west in in e3 while it was a very too much gatekeeping i thought got better and better and better but i i, I missed that line of dare i say like journalistic integrity to some extent and i don't mean that sarcastically like the way uh, if you're chronically online you might refer to it like that but like to some extent the publishers needed to present their wares in a way that they were the ones nervous mm-hmm. they were the ones that like i need to have this right because this is our shot this is the thing and and currently where we are today and we are very much a a, a part of this, we're able to do the show because of this, the technology that makes it easier to do. But I feel like we're, we're toward the wild west a little bit now where the people making content, it feels to me are the ones that are nervous at the events. Cause they're like, I need you dear publisher. Oh, this, this, this lemon bar <laughs> way better than three K's lemon bar. Oh, three K's lemon bar is garbage. Oh, this lemon bar way better than crap comms lemon. It's like this weird Mm. it's parasitic in a way. And I, I, I don't quite know, cause I'm still living through it. I don't quite know the best way to express it, but I think there was something nice about E3 of these companies being put on notice <laughs> a little bit. We're like, it did have to work and it couldn't mm-hmm. be polished and people were going to ask hard questions. And I don't know if we get as much of that now. And I miss that. Hopefully some of that Frank and Jeff made some sense. <laughs> no, it, it definitely made sense. I, I get it. I mean, E3 for me was console wars, you know, at the time. <laughs> um, back then, we were just excited to see a new console, period. But now, it's like, you know, Nintendo's better than this. And, you know, PlayStation's better than that. How many did Nintendo sell? You know, it's 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 that it's that back and forth that I I, I agree with you. I, I miss the E3 love because you, you pulled down those curtains and you got together and you were like, I got to make sure I make this event, this event, this event, write about it, talk about it. We all had fun. We loved it. And everyone looked forward to E3. And it was the place to be. It was like Comic-Con. You know, it was like yeah. the place to go. <sighs> sad, but, you know, a different time. It is sad. It is sad. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out with regard to, you know, I think Microsoft has already said they're going to have uh, the equivalent of their, you know, big conference uh, at in that time period. I wonder if those dates will shift now that there isn't this thing. Although, you know, Summer's Games Fest, I guess, is still happening. 
uh, for what whatever that is going to be. Well, so is Jeff Grubbs. I like how he claimed it. <laughs> yeah. Like these are all part of my presentation now. He just listed <laughs> the dates that they're all happening and said they're all his. <laughs> yeah, pretty great. Well done. Well done. Anyway, it's a sad day. It's a it's a day that uh, I guess seemed inevitable unless you're Christian Spicer, in which case it completely blindsided you. Jeff, the years of you <laughs> whiffing on every <laughs> prediction that we oh, have I'm recorded. Going to, I am going to revel in this so much, Spicedradamus. Uh, this is uh, this is a good one. This is this is yeah. some cat. My E three still going to be great, Jeff. I'm sorry uh, you're not going to be there to try the ribs. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? I mean, it has to be the exact reason why E3 is dead. And it's us getting 10 minutes of gameplay of Tears of the Kingdom just delivered to us over the Internet, because that's how it yeah. is now. Like, I know the game it, comes no out before There's no more stark E3. demonstration of <laughs> why. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the timing and the release. Yeah, it probably would have had to come out earlier, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like... Uh, as Frank mentioned, what a slick, wonderfully edited video it, they highlighted. Um, so for folks who are coming here for their news, uh, Nintendo released a Nintendo Direct that was focused on Tears of the Kingdom gameplay over 10 minutes or exactly 10 minutes of like showing you nuanced gameplay, not raw, uncut gameplay, not someone just wandering, playing in that moment live in front of you, but showing you what the meat and potatoes of the game is likely going to be at least part Specific of it. new systems too. Yes. Literally yeah. like here's some new things in this version of breath of the wild that weren't in the previous game. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to merge these stones and these sticks and create the longest fork you've ever seen in your life, <laughs> which seems silly until you remember the stuff people did in the, in breath of the wild where we didn't give them this system. And then it shows the vehicles and it shows. And so like, yeah, these two things happening in the same week, it is just where we were and where we are. Mm-hmm. And then aside from that part of the story, uh, Tears of the Kingdom has already broken my brain and run-of-the-mill folk haven't even gotten their hands on it yet. You know, like, holy crap. It's it's wild to me that a Legend of Zelda game, I mean, I guess Breath of the Wild is already this, but they're leaning into it so hard that a Legend of Zelda game is a showcase for creativity. Like, that. that's what they've created is this sandbox where you are going to just be, I think the developers too will be amazed what people do with this stuff as, you know, we've already amazed by what people did with Breath of the Wild, but it feels like this is going to take it to a whole other level. Right, Frank? Yes, I I agree with you. I'm laughing in my head because it feels like I know you guys forever because you're hitting on these points that I talk about all the time. I call it the Bethesda effect Mm. where you release a game you get modders on it. You get people that do incredible stuff and you use that for inspiration for your next title or you just <laughs> release the title 25 times and make money from it. But um, <laughs> Skyrim. Um, but yeah, this Swiss Army Knife uh, Zelda game uh, is 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 incredible. Um, I was like, oh, OK, you can feel stuff. That's cool. Saw the vehicles and was like. What? You know? <laughs> I was a little hyped. Now I'm super hyped for it. And I was like, and it's not because of what I'm going to be doing with it. Somebody doing the stuff that they show me, but it's what I'm going to see. My vehicle is going to be like a plank on a, a wheel, log. like, like <laughs> a log with a spin on it. Yeah. These, I saw a video of a, uh, a lady with her nine-year-old son who was like creatively bombing himself across yeah. the land to kill something, and I'm just like, I cannot wait to see. Now that we have, you know, TikTok, if TikTok is around still, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, right. We'll see TikToks with kids doing amazing things that I can't even phantom, and I'm I'm here for it. And this is the magic of what you said, having that digital and that live edit right there. Everything was perfect, right? I mean, he was. It was speaking Japanese, obviously. The translator was on point, on par. Didn't have to worry about that. The sound was great. The video looked great. Nobody cared that it was edited. Right. See, if that was something else, E3 in person, maybe people would talk about it and be like, why didn't they do live footage? But this, people were so, they're dangling that steak in front of your face. You were <laughs> eating it up. Totally. No, great, great points there. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I think it's very ironic that Nintendo has gone from just a few years ago being like, no Nintendo stuff on YouTube. No, we, we're going to shut it all down to like, hey, we're making a Zelda game that's literally made for clipping. <laughs> like, we're designed around you make clips of the crazy stuff you do, and it'll promote our game in ways we could never do. I, that's a pretty big shift, and it's interesting to note. But I love your point. I didn't even think of it this way, Frank, about t- I think this is the first Zelda game you can say where they literally were like, what are the people doing in this game? Let's accentuate that. I, don't, I can't think of another Zelda game where the, the next iteration, it always feels like iterations of Zelda are like, oh my gosh, I never would have thought the game would go there. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like, you, you're right, it does really feel like they're taking inspiration from the community and going, wow, people really latched on to all of this cool stuff. Let's just give them more ways to do that. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's awesome. Christian, did you see stuff in the 10 minute? I mean, let's talk a little bit specifically about the uh, powers that they showed. Cause there I saw were... when they uh, merged the game with the $70 price point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody's blinking at that anymore. Uh, so we saw recall, which lets you kind of go back in time of something that drops will now go up. And that's kind of a way to get you into those sky uh, islands that are going to be a big part of tears of the kingdom. Uh, we saw fuse, which lets you stick any weapon to any other weapon. You know, you can make a stick with a boulder on the end, as you said, a fork with a longer stick uh, attached to it. I'm sure there's going to be billion D more of those that we can. I'm going to kill see. Ganon from another continent. You know, I'm going to be over there just being like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love the, I love the eyeball on the arrow that lets you make it into a mm. heat seeking missile. Um, Ultra Hand, which is kind of a weird name for the thing that lets you stick two objects in the world together with with what looks like like some putty. Yeah, goo. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's good. Uh, Which, you know, is the kind of the key to making those vehicles and things. Um, And then Ascend, which I don't – that one broke – is the one that really broke my brain because I was like, oh, yeah, no – people are going to cobble together things, make crazy contraptions. That's all awesome. But Ascend is like – if it's got a roof on it, you can go up through that. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Yeah. What? How do you play test this game? It's like people can go anywhere and do it. He did say there were some restrictions on it, but man. Uh, Frank, is there one of those, all of those that that got you most excited? You know, the, the reason why Breath of the Wild was a little difficult for me to wrap my mind around, because Ocarina of Time is one of my favorite games of all time. You know, I remember saying, mom, dad, there's shadows. You know, I remember saying that in that game. (laughs) Um, But now, yeah, the durability was one thing I hated. Um, Me too. The stamina system, I hate it. But now they they took it and they say, you know what? Durability is still there. But the fact that you can fuse anything together fixes that problem. 
It's not like I'm have a master sword. The thing that I knew from legend that shouldn't break after four hits breaks. Right. Um, but the ascend thing was, yeah, that was mind blowing to me because I was just like, if it's a cave and has a ceiling, I can go through it. No stamina issues. Wow. Yeah. I'll play it, you know? So, uh, totally. yeah, that, that was good. I agree a hundred percent on that. And they specifically called that out. It was specifically mm-hmm. like, Hey, you can climb the outside of a mountain or, and it's like, Oh wow. You really did do that for this purpose. And you're right. I, I think it's, it's, inter- it's addressing those pain points in a way that you would never expect. It's not like, Oh, we're take away the stamina thing, or we're more generous with the stamina thing. We just came up with this completely novel way to give you another option, which is wow. Wow. What a cool design idea. Um, I, I'm just very impressed with that. You know, I, I bounced off of Breath of the Wild, uh, and I, I know so many people think it's the greatest video game of all time, and I respect that opinion. Um, a lot of the reasons you mentioned, Frank, the durability stuff, that stamina stuff, the, the sort of lack of focus of the game, it, it, it didn't click with me in the way I wish it had, the way it, it has for so many others. But man, I'm very much interested to see if these tweaks and these new powers and these new abilities solve those problems for me. And so I, I didn't think I was going to be this excited for Tears of the Kingdom, but here I am. Here yeah. I am excited. I'm excited to see how Nintendo uses these things because I do think mm-hmm. a big part of the game is giving these tools to the community and seeing all the. I mean, people are still doing new things with Breath of the Wild today. You know, there are still new videos, people creating new if you call them vehicles in Breath of the Wild, new contraptions to do things in game that are new today. And so I feel like Tears of the Kingdom is going to have exponentially more of those, but I'm curious how good the game feels for this dum-dum. You know, like, are those challenges going to be rewarding enough? And and will I figure them out? Or will it be so sandboxy and so kind of blown open that I think I might, uh, as I famously never left my home planet in uh, No Man's Sky, will I never leave my starting village? Because I'll just be like, I'm through the roof. (laughs) I built a roof. (laughs) Now I'm through that roof. Now I put a roof on that roof, which means I can go through that roof. And it's like, I never do anything because it's infinite possibilities of infinite playscapes. Um, I'm very, you know that they have to have stuff in mind where it's like, yeah, you can just ascend, except this mountain doesn't have a cave. So you still need to use the stamina. But then when you're about to get out of stamina, you see a ledge and then in the ledge is a cave and then you go oh, through yeah. the thing and, and like the, the way, the way they will gatekeep areas, the way they will set, you know, I can already imagine the different sky islands and how, what it's going to take to get to one. Like you'll probably be on one and it looks super close. And it looks like I can hang glide to it, but I can't, I got to do a thing. All of that ingenuity I think is going to be wild to see. And there's so much we don't know about the game still. Like we don't fundamentally know what the story is about. We mm. don't know if there's temples or, you know, there's so many Zelda E things that we're not, they haven't talked about at all. So um, you know, and it's coming. It's coming soon. They he said they're done. He said they're done with development. So that's pretty exciting. It doesn't sound like we're going to get another delay. I hope. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'll say this. <laughs> never say never, I guess. Zelda has been shown so many times where we didn't see her in that playthrough. Is it multiplayer? Will we be able to have that's the big you know, Nintendo always slaps us really, really hard when a game releases where they keep it close to the neck. It's no leaks, no nothing. It's like the agents of whatever is around to (laughs) to snipe anybody out that says anything. I wonder if we're going to get hit with that. Hey, 
whether you beat the game and you unlock Zelda or you play as Zelda, you know, you go back and forth. That's probably more of the case right there. Um, and Amiibos, of course, for you know, Christian that can't figure out how to build the things, they'll have an Amiibo for you because you know how, <laughs> that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thousands of those. So, yeah. The thing <laughs> that will make me angry is if uh, this comes out and then uh, in, in the fall, we hear about the next version of the Switch. I'm going to be mad. I'll be like, come on. <laughs> Come uh, on, you know, mm, mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I mean, those are obviously the hugest uh, stories of the week. Those massive, massive stories. I'll just mention quickly uh, a pet favorite story of mine. Uh, we got another DLC announced for Vampire Survivors, which was my personal uh, game of the year last year. April thirteenth, we'll see the release of Tides of Foscari. I believe it's called Foscari. Um, which is going to have, you know, story content. It, it's set in a, a big forest called Foscari Academy. There'll be a school. There's a new, there's uh, 13 new weapons, eight new playable characters, 21 wow. new achievements, seven new music tracks. The, unfortunately, it, it's going to be half the price of the original game. The gall. The gall. People. I which, can. of course, <laughs> is $2, ladies and gentlemen. $2! Wow. Vampire Survivor, you know, launched at five bucks uh, or four bucks, I think it was. Uh, and two bucks, it sounds awesome. Uh, this game just continues to be the bee's knees to me. Uh, I love Vampire Survivors. I love that there's another going to be another DLC. I love that they're continually coming up with new characters and new ways to interact with this thing, and and adding like a story layer, which is which is pretty cool for a game that's basically you know as bare bones as a game gets in a lot of ways. But um, Frank, were you a Vampire Survivors fan? You know, it's, it's those games that Loop Hero that literally took me away for like 15 hours. Didn't know I was playing that long. Yeah. Um, and, and kudos to them because I believe, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, they won Game of the Year from BAFTA. Uh, yes, uh-huh. I saw that. So, that was just last, last week as well. Yeah. Congrats on that. Very cool. Uh, they released on mobile, so I couldn't get away from it. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't for a Marble Snap, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> bathroom time would be spent with vampire survivor <laughs> um but yeah that game is incredible it's it just takes you back to you know it gives you that nostalgia but also now you realize where games are like it doesn't take much it just takes yeah. the love of making video games to really uh give us some unique ideas and you think about it it seems simple you know you go around collect weapons and it shoots everywhere and it, but it's very entertaining the entertainment value of yes. you know viewers watching it they love it yeah you know and they're like oh. i can't wait to see how your computer lags you know it's just like <laughs> the joy of all of the thing the the billion things exploding all around you uh, there's yeah. there, there's very few games that give me such visceral joy of just seeing them explode into numbers all around me oh. yeah oh, that's a great feeling uh christian two bucks for the dlc I cannot believe they're charging half the price of the game just for a few new levels, Jeff. That's it. I know, I'm curious, and maybe this will do it because we are living in the world of, you know, Vampire Survivor likes. Mm. I'm curious if we'll get Vampire Survivor two, or if they will do a DLC that kind of incorporates some of these other mechanics these other games are already doing. Not that you know, Vampire Survivors, as Frank mentioned, just won, you know, the BAFTA, so it's not, it's not past having its moment yet but i think the beauty of the game itself is that it could be so easily adapted and Mm. um changed within that core gameplay that they've created where you know five years from now is are we still is it having its Fortnite moment again (laughs) you know where the game is so malleable in so many ways yeah 
Well, there you go. Uh, tons of news, uh, but we got games to talk about as well. So let's get right into it. But first, I got to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace! Oh, Squarespace is supporting our show since its inception, low those nine years ago. And I am so pleased to be able to tell you about Squarespace. I use it. I recommend it to fa- friends and family as well. JeffCanada.com was built on Squarespace. And I still think it is the best place to build a website. It is also the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website. That's always been the case with Squarespace. But now they have new tools that let you engage with your audience, sell anything, your products, the content you create, even your time. Let me explain. They have these member areas that make it easy for creators to monetize their content but also their expertise in a way that fits their brand. You can unlock these new revenue streams for yourself with those member areas and for your business. Freeze up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, or newsletters. And if you want to sell videos, you want to create videos, there's the Squarespace Video Studio app that lets you do that very simply, very easily. It's all part of their suite of tools, which are sweet. Uh, the the uh, video app lets you uh, share videos, tell your story, grow your audience, drive sales. And if you're selling stuff, their online store is so easy. It's just a few clicks to turn your website into an online store. You can sell physical products. You can sell digital products. They've got the tools you need to start selling online immediately and easily. Plus, analytics help you uh, grow your business insight into where you're customers are coming from, where your site visits and sales are coming from. You can analyze the channels that are most effective, improve your website, build marketing strategies based on your top keywords, your most popular products. It's got everything you need. So check it out. Don't take my word for it. Check it out. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me is where you go. You'll get a free trial, which is completely free. They won't even take a credit card from you to start. You can just build your website for free at squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And then when you're ready to launch, use our offer code, which is also Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Squarespace is also a great place to buy domains. They have an awesome front end. I've used it many times. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me. It is time to talk about the games that we have been playing. Frank, hey, yes. first thing I want to ask you, this isn't written on your playlist on our on our show notes, but you mentioned that you went to the Star Wars Jedi Survivor event. Are you able to talk about that? I'm able to talk about it tomorrow. Tomorrow! <laughs> yeah, tomorrow's the embargo. So, um, But I can tell you this. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, granted, I am a big Star Wars fan. Yeah, which doesn't mean that I'm going to sit there and, you know, suck the toes of the Star Wars universe, but (laughs) it means I'm very critical about the Star Wars universe, and I can't wait to be able to talk about it. Fantastic. It's great to hear. I really liked that first game, and I think it was really just a hint Mm -hmm. of what was possible with (gasps) with that franchise, and it really feels like this is going to be the Assassin's Creed 2 of the Assassin's Creed franchise, you know? I'm holding my mouth, if you guys can tell. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you liked the first one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what is what is on your playlist that you can talk about? 
Yes, um, Wild Hearts, uh, a game that came in. So a game that I wasn't hyped about at all. Um, EA is the publisher and uh, Omega Force is the creator. And Omega Force is known for making the kaiju genre. I'll just call it that for now, because if I say monster hunting genre, people are automatically going to associate it with the games. You know, even though it is a genre. Yes, a monster hunter just got the name and it was great for them to get the name. Very huge in Japan. One of my homes I lived and, and loved. Um, but Wild Hearts puts a different spin. It is not the Monster Hunter clone everyone thinks it is. Hmm. It got some heat in the beginning because of uh, some performance issues on certain cards and certain computers. I did not have any problems. There was like a small slowdown issue dealing with one of the items that you build. And it shoots out like a wave of energy to heal you. And it's really bright. And it would slow down the game. And they fixed that. They, they like fixed it without even a patch from us. Um, so it was really crazy. But I have over 250 hours of that game. Ooh. And um, yes, I love every bit of it. You build this thing called Katakuri, which is, uh, you know, uh, building blocks. And you take crates and, and different objects. So they have the basic Katakuri. And then bring, and you fuse them together to make walls and all kinds of stuff. Some people would joke around and call it the Fortnite of Monster Hunter. Um, the only similar similarity between Monster Hunter and Wild Hearts is the fact that you hunt monsters and you get stuff to put gear on essentially that's where it stops it is a completely okay. different game it's probably uh it's more attractive because it has the combat scheme of like also tsushima it's your classic square light triangle heavy you know x's jump if you're using a playstation controller that is um and circle dodge you, you relate that to any controller you want keyboard friendly great game um gr- uh, drop in drop out multiplayer super fast uh, there's no loading issues. You can literally, you could, Jeff, if you want to jump in with me, you can, you know, you find a gate, you see the, you see the, what I'm fighting, you jump in, you go in there, you kill the boss and you leave. And there's wow. no holding you hostage. Um, anyway, I can go on forever about it. Shut me up. Um, no, that's I, it. I, I don't want to, I want to hear more about it. So I, I, I am one of those people that saw this game and assumed mm-hmm. it was a monster hunter clone. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's very easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and for a lot of people, that's not a bad thing for, for me. I, you know, I played some Monster Hunters. Uh, I never it never super clicked for me because mm. it felt so technical. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I've never been a guy that loves that sort of learning how the giant axe that goes super slow. I, yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't have the patience for that, unfortunately. Um, so I've, I've had some fun with some Monster Hunters, but it's never been the series that really hooked me. Is it does it differentiate itself in that way? You talked about it being the combat being a little bit more yes. Tsushima type. Yeah. So the first thing you do in let's say Monster Hunter World, since that was like one of the most popular ones, and we have Rise yeah. that came out and they try to adjust this issue with Rise. The first thing everyone does, especially new people to the Monster Hunter series, because when you talk to someone that's a Monster Hunter fan, boy or girl, they're gonna be like, It's awesome, jump in, you're gonna love it. And you're like, Yay, you're gonna spend unteen amount of dollars to get all the DLCs and everything, the expansions. You're going to jump in. You're going to hit square. You know, you're going to hit, you know, your left click and you're not going to swing your sword or your axe or whatever. And that's going to frustrate you because now you're using trigger keys. You're like, okay, this is some Dark Souls stuff I'm doing, you know, whatever. And then there's all these combinations and stuff that goes along with it. And you're, and by the time you understand how gear works, you're putting the game down. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I don't have to combine <laughs> two fabrics to wear a shirt in the morning. I'm not doing it, right? <laughs> But on this Wild Hearts, it's go in, smash some buttons, you do damage, you see numbers, and you're happy. 
And they took a very big inspiration from uh, Mononoke Hime or Princess Mononoke. If you watch anime and Miyazaki film and it's there and you're like, oh, my goodness, the monsters are huge. They look scary, but I did some damage. And that's how they suck you in. And there is some complexity. Yes. But they introduce it to you kind of like how birds feed their young. Little by little. <laughs> that's what I know? need. Just, yeah. just chew it for me and drop it into my mouth. Exactly. Just, 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 <laughs> you know, just put it in there and I'll regurgitate whatever I am to the next person. It's you know? <laughs> pretty much how it works. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Your characters, the character creators, gorgeous. You know, um, everything about the game just screams. They listened to what Monster Hunter fans wanted. And instead of giving it to them with a, you know, a price tag per game, they gave it to them all in one and they're making content every two weeks. They're dropping new content for free. $70 price tag. Okay. They give you multiple options. EA play, EA play pro, you know, whatever. You can even demo the game for 10 hours. Check it out. See how you like it. You know, and then you might put in 250 hours, but yeah, <laughs> it's easy to teach you. I did like a, a 25 minute video. I thought it was less than that explaining to because i would have people come into my channel like hey is this monster hunter club I'm like oh here we go so let me go ahead and record this and i showed them the combat and i showed them all the stuff you can do and that's where it ended people stopped my video and they play the game and they're like we love this game wow i wild hearts i mean i've i've mm -hmm. been i feel like i've been uh completely um dismissing this game and i shouldn't uh very very cool um man that's awesome wild hearts it's been out for what just a few weeks. He, he put in two hundred fifty hours pretty fast, yeah, about, right? It's not been out that long. Yeah, about a month. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Man. and it's crossplay too, so you can play with anybody. Fantastic. What else is on your playlist? Uh, Dredge. So Dredge is a uh, indie game. Uh, yeah, it's an indie game by an indie developer. It was published by Team Seventeen, which is known for like my time in Porsche, my time in Sam, my time everywhere. You know, um, and they did Dredge, which is a <laughs> Hmm. psychological horror fishing game uh, that, i know that's really weird but you know work with me um you start off as this guy who just owns a boat and wants to fish you know just wants to find a new beginning and you end up on this 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 uh small little island area where they built a town and your boat's wrecked and they pull you up in there and the mayor's like ha ha I see you're here and you're doing well here's a boat and by, by the way you could pay off that by feeding my people you know, and uh, you go around, and you're like, oh, this is cozy. I'm digging a fish. And then nightfall comes and there's fog and there's scary stuff happening and you're losing your sanity and all that stuff. Um, you will lose hours in this game. It's I think it's on sale right now. It's like $24.99. I think regular price is $30. But man, what a game. It's doing very well on Steam. And you know, 90% of games get review bombed in the beginning. <laughs> this one did not. And it still holds this overwhelmingly positive. Um, it's great. Uh, you should definitely check it out. Um, even if you don't think you'll like it, check it out for you know a couple hours and see how you and see how you like it. Because you know, if you don't like it, Steam allows you to you know return the game and do your thing. But yeah, it's no, really this really looks great. Cool. Uh, yeah, it, the fishing in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, are you doing a lot of actual fishing in the game? Yes, it's interactive. So there's pockets of fish in different areas and different fish depending on where you would get them, whether they're shallow water, coastal, volcanic. Don't ask. I don't know. Um, <laughs> mangrove, you know, these weird areas. And you pull these fish and you have this inventory system. It kind of reminds me of Diablo back in the day where you play Tetris. You know, you have to yeah. hit the fish. And the fish are bent a certain way. And you have to fit them depending on their fins and stuff with your components of your ship that you're upgrading, like your hooks. 
you know, different hooks for different, you know, a coastal or, or shallow or whatever. Um, and you eventually upgrade your boat to have a bigger haul and you name it. I learned so much about boats, by the way. Uh, <laughs> not a boater. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And fishing is interactive. And depending on what you're doing, if you're dredging, hence the name, um, getting treasures out of the deep, um, you have a dredge. And, and you, there's a mini game associated with that that's different than the fishing mini game. You have a chance to get these diabolical fish that have been infected. Mm-hmm. There's this mystery and lore behind it that you have to find out. Uh, murder and stuff all kinds of weird stuff in there it's really fun cool this is uh i just got on my radar i yeah. uh, might have to check this out just came out march 30th dredge is the name dredge. of it and uh as frank mentioned 25 bucks on steam right now i so. kept hovering over it as i was traveling for a steam deck game and i we've talked about uh jeff on this show like kind of how indie games are merging this and that to make the new game yeah. and i love the idea of a comfy game not being just a cozy comfy game like the idea yeah. and we kind of have that already fishing game of, that comes hard at you yeah I mean, it's kind of like cult of the lamb in some ways where yeah. it's like oh it's yeah. animal crossing and you're in a cult um yeah. but i think dredge is really interesting with what i've read and seen from what it does with the genre as well where it's like oh yeah this is cute this is fun oh god no <laughs> it seems like my uh, jam. It's fun to see more I, of that i think i might i might have to pick this up this looks really cool Again, that's called Dredge, and it is on Frank's playlist. Christian yes. Spicer, I know that you have been traveling a lot, but uh, anything on your playlist? Yeah, so I was provided a code uh, for The Last of Us Part 1 on PC. Uh, if you listen to this show, or dare I say, the official The Last of Us podcast. You know I love uh, The Last of Us. Last of Us Part 1, up there with one of my very favorite games of all time specifically the last of us part one not the first last of us the last of us part one the ps5 like that most recent release is an exquisite release of one of my very favorite games of all time don't buy this version yet now i've heard they've been patching uh, it hot fixing it like like three or four times in the last two days yes so it is it is better now than it was when it launched. So it's hard. Like when you're listening, we're recording to this Sunday night, you know, by the time you're listening to this, maybe buy it. Like they clearly are not giving up on this game. This yeah. is a game that means a lot to Sony and, and Naughty Dog and the HBO franchise is huge, right? Like this is a huge property and I trust that it will be perfected. I'm playing on a 4080 and it can muscle its way through most anything. Like I haven't had as severe problems uh, in my three hours with, uh, the game on my desktop as others have i've had i have had some crashes um i i've had some i don't know if i'll call them hangs or stutters or maybe i, I waited for the shader compilation and all that stuff to happen but i've had some npcs not perform the way they should i guess is the way i'd, I'd phrase it i've seen some um, uh some funny gifts is what i'm saying I, i've seen some uh, jpegs that are floating around of weird textures and hair and <laughs> things looking real funky the hard part is, so yeah i mean the best advice i can give right now is is don't buy this game on pc yet but please keep track of it because it's an incredible game and especially if you don't have a playstation you haven't played it before please play this game it's incredible if you watch the hbo show please play this game but wait for it to be completely fixed and then i trust that it will become the definitive version this pc version it's not yet what makes it 
extra hard for me right now is last week I was talking about my time with RE4 Remake. And I played most of that game on my Steam Deck. And yes, was I playing in medium and getting averaging 45 frames, 45 frames per second and all that stuff? Yes, but also I was playing RE4 Remake on my Steam Deck and it was pretty dang good. And then on my desktop, it's, oh my God, amazing. And I I didn't get... I, 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 I think it would have loaded, but I got just like, well, I'm not going to play this on my Steam Deck with Last of Us Part 1. So it's just frustrating to have, to know what current gen AAA games can look like on PC and, you know, what a Steam Deck version of it can be like and see the state of of Last of Us Part 1 right now. Also, I think frustrating for me uh, because the Uncharted Legacy Collection is awesome on pc and yeah it's kind of baffling great on it? steam deck it's really good they've been they've been putting out all these all these games and it, it it's the first time that they've had this kind of problem it's very very surprising to me yeah and so there is an excellent as always uh digital foundry video they also did not label it a review because as you mentioned jeff the fixes and hot patches and things are coming in quickly but they did an excellent breakdown of some of the issues and it's like a, over an hour video and what the game looks like on medium and it does not look good on medium and it's a shame because i think the game itself is fantastic and certainly it is still a pop cultural icon you know of, of this moment um and so i'm bummed that it came out in this state but keep an eye on it i i trust that they will turn it around but as you are listening to this as you know like if you're listening to it soon after we recorded or after the episode drops here on Monday, um, I would wait uh, a bit and let this PC version of The Last of Us Part 1 continue to cook, unfortunately. Is this the first version of The Last of Us that's been available on PC? I don't even know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is the first time the franchise has, has come to PC. And I, and I would say this is probably, in my opinion, the first launch day, launch week miss PC port. Um, from Sony, Sony especially, Sony first party, especially yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. They've been all great. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man's been spectacular. Yeah. Not to make a pun, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got Returnal running on. I got through the yeah. first biome of Returnal on my Steam Deck. Not that God the Steam Deck great. needs to be able yes. to play all these games, but it also was great on PC. And, um, yeah, God of War, Sackboy, Horizon, yeah. uh, you know, all the Uncharted, Uncharted games. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all, they've all been fantastic on PC. It's very surprising that they had the a misfire like this so I, yeah again I, I trust it'll get there but uh wait a bit yeah my, my thank you for telling me that because uh mm-hmm. yeah i got something to do with that and i'm gonna wait until tuesday <laughs> <laughs> so thank you yeah. uh most not most everything i've been playing this week almost everything i've been playing this week uh has been vr so we're gonna hop into the vr segment <laughs> right now all right so the first thing i want to talk about i got lots of vr stuff i've been i've been messing with and we'll see how many of them we can get to but uh the first thing i want to talk about is my where did i put it my vive <laughs> xr elite headset where did i put it oh it's out of arm's reach uh arrived my vive xr elite headset arrived this was a impulse buy that is a lot more expensive than an impulse buy should be. But uh, I got really excited about when the Vive XR Elite headset was announced. As you know, if you listen to the show, I love VR, and I kind of collect these headsets in a dumb way. Um, 
And so I, I bought it right when it right when it came available, and it, it got to my house this last week, and I have been playing with it. Now, I will say right at the top, I have filled out my return slip to return it. Mm. Uh, that is not to say that's why that... it's not an arm's length. It's packed up in a box. Uh, <laughs> yeah, tape wrapped. <laughs> it's in yeah. shipping length. It is what it is. Yeah. I have put uh, um, many hours on, on. Well, not many hours. Uh, you know, a handful of hours on it. Enough if, to know. If you're listening to this return, I barely touched. I barely, it. I barely touched. Barely... <laughs> now they give you a 14 day window, so you know I'm good. <laughs> um, we'll see if they can actually give me my money back. Uh, but. Uh, you know, I spent over a thousand dollars on this thing, and mm. in a lot of ways, it's very impressive. Certainly, from a comfort perspective, it is remarkable what they have managed to achieve. Uh, it is very light, very, very light, and really well designed uh, from a comfort perspective. One of the things that always annoys me—I mean, this is my vanity talking, I suppose—but one of the things that annoys me about he- uh, VR headsets is often the the strap that goes over the top of your head and invariably like messes your hair up and you look like a a goof when you take the headset off and you got this weird like part in the middle of your head for the rest of the day because you had a big (laughs) strap over it. It's a minor annoyance, but it's an annoyance. You're not going to have that with the Vive XR Elite headset. It is literally goggles. And uh, I mean, they look like goggles and they kind of feel like goggles. You put them on. There is no over the top of your head element to it at all. There is a battery pack in the back that ca- counterbalances it beautifully. So it's but, a quest. Like well, it's an the quest has a top thingy. But I meant like it's an all in one, like no wires. Well, yes, you can attach it to a PC with a single USB-C cable. And then you, it, it, the Vive, they have a Vive port software uh, solution that lets you stream either over your Wi-Fi network, if you're on the same Wi-Fi network as your PC, or via USB-C, you can stream uh, PC VR content. So it'll stream um, any Steam game uh, that you have in, in VR seamlessly. It's actually beautiful how well it works. It just you know, scrapes your computer for anything you have and populates its little uh, front end. So you put on the headset and it's like, here's the games you have installed on on your PC VR. Very slick, very well done. I don't have any complaints about that. Like it works really, really well. And I it worked it worked perfectly fine over uh, Wi-Fi as well. And it's like built in. It's like ready to go right out of the box. You don't need any extra add-on to do that. It's ready to rock. I did it with the... With the cord, the cord is unobtrusive. It kind of sticks in the top back on, onto the onto the um, the battery pack. But you also it also gives you the option of removing the battery pack and wearing the goggles almost like sunglasses, where the ba- there's no back to it at all. It just has the prongs that you would have on regular glasses that like go over your ears. I didn't like that because it kept falling. It doesn't have the counterbalance, right? The weight of the counterbalance there. And there's also nothing connecting it around the back. There's no, it comes with a strap you could add on, but the like wearing it like glasses, it just, it didn't work for me. It kind of just kept falling forward. And I was like, well, I'm always going to wear this with the battery anyway, because it's just more comfortable. It doesn't add a ton of weight and the weight it does add counterbalances the front. So it, it just works better that way. So anyway, even when I was streaming it, I still had the battery pack on and I was just plugging directly into the battery pack, which is cool. Um, 
And it really, it, the other huge, crazy thing they did with it, I'm a person that wears glasses all the time. I've, I've had eye surgeries. Now I have to wear glasses all the time. Um, and so that's always a hassle with VR headsets because you have to wear your glasses in the headset. It's kind of, it's never great. It's awkward. For the PlayStation VR 2 headset, I, I ordered uh, third-party lenses that are my prescription that I slid in that are always Ooh. on it. So I don't have to, I can just take my glasses off and put the headset on and it works great, which I love. Um, but for the for the Vive Elite XR headset, they have diopters built in that you set and part of the initial calibration software that you, wow. you know, the first time you put it on, it's like dial in your prescription What until it's clear, dial it in. Now, the downside is if you have over a plus or minus six uh, prescription, and people who have wear glasses know they're usually know their prescription. It, so six is a very intense corrective lens, but people have definitely more than six. Luckily, I don't. The, the highest prescription I have in one of my eyes is a five. So I fit in their window. But if you don't, there is no way to wear glasses inside the Vive XR Elite headset. There's no way to do it. They, they literally like goggles that fit really close to your face. There's no room for glasses. So fortunately for me, my prescription falls in that range. And because of that, I was able to dial in those diopters. And it's pretty rad. It's like having those lenses that I got for the PSVR 2 that I spent 80 bucks for uh, from a third party to get my prescription. But it works for multiple people's prescri prescriptions. So I think that's a pretty bold feature to have. And I think for me, I very much appreciated it. I thought that was very cool. And it works. It works. The, the downside and the reason I'm returning it is unique to me in that I have a Valve Index. I thought this new Vive was going to put that to shame in the same way the PlayStation VR 2 puts it to shame. PlayStation VR 2 is a clearer, crisper, denser, just higher fidelity VR experience, even to the very expensive Valve Index that I got years ago. The screens are better. The field of view is better. It's better. It's not miles better, but it's better. And I thought I was going to have that upgrade coupled with the fact that it doesn't require external tracking cameras like the index still does. So I still have tracking cameras up in this room that I'm in right now for when I put on my index. And I was very excited to take those down and just not have them cluttering up my office. And yes, the Internal, the you know, inside-out tracking of the uh, Vive uh, X, X, uh, XR Elite headset works great. It tracks your fingers. You can use your your hands, and uh, you don't even need. It comes with controllers, but you don't. You can do hand tracking like the like the uh, Quest does. It's all great, and I would be able to take down those those cameras. But for a thousand bucks. I was hoping the visuals would be better mm. and they aren't, they aren't. It's not a huge, it's not an up upgrade at all to my view. I mean, I was going back and forth between my index and the Vive to compare one-to-one -one with, with the same software. And I couldn't discern any, any significant difference. 
when I put on a PSVR 2 and I have the same software on my PC in my index, I feel like it's a night and day difference. And that's what I was like, I'm ready to upgrade. I'm going to spend the money, even though I shouldn't. I'm going to spend the money to get that PC VR experience that is equivalent to the PSVR 2. No, it's, it's, it's not. I'm sad to say it is not. So that is why for me in particular, it's going back. But if you don't have a PC VR headset and you want one and you've got the scratch, I, I just, the thing that's hard for me is like at that very high end price point, it's nobody's first VR headset. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh-huh. it doesn't make any sense. It's not so night and day above the Quest 2. It's not, not I mean, it's like very equivalent to the Quest 2, especially when it's not tethered. When you're When you're not, streaming from your PC, it's very equivalent, but you don't have all of the meta quest exclusive VR content. You have a bunch of Vive exclusive VR content, which is not great. Not great. There's a few things that were kind of interesting, but compared to like, you know, the stuff that is exclusive to, to the, the meta quest, which is, you know, some of the, coolest vr stuff i've played like lone echo it's hard to say well yeah this maestro game where you play as a conductor or you know it's a bunch of like 12 and 15 dollar vive port stuff but they're all not particularly compelling for me as somebody who's very much a connoisseur of of vr stuff so a mixed bag in that i think a lot of positives if this is your first PC VR headset and you're really jazzed about it, but like it's oh, it's a thousand bucks plus. Like it's hard to say, hey, make this your first VR headset when you can get a MetaQuest 2 for half of that, less than half of that. So anyway, I, I you know, part of me is relieved because it's like, well, I shouldn't have spent that much money anyway, but you know, I was rude. I wanted it to be this huge upgrade for me and I, and I got to keep these camp, these tracking things up. Um, yeah. All right. I, I have uh, other VR things I want to talk about, but Christian, let me hear what you've been playing on your PSVR too. I was given a code uh, for the update to walking dead saints and sinners, the PSVR two version of that. And as you were saying, Jeff, um, the upgrade from Walking Dead Saints and Sinners on PSVR 1. I think I also played it on my Quest 1. I forget where I originally played it. I think both. It's um, on Quest for sure, yeah. If someone wants to search through our episode, uh, old episodes, I'm sure I raved about it before. Because it is a VR-designed game. Um, and it is a game that utilizes the strengths of that tactile experience of being in VR, of loading your gun, taking things out, pulling out your clipboard, flipping your pages through things, marking things off that you've done, and the pacing of a VR game. I, I thought it was expertly crafted then in terms of how it, um, you know, created enemy encounters that felt good in VR and wasn't trying to replicate something from a 2d screen into a VR space. The PSVR two version is night and day better than those other versions I've played. I mean, just from the get go, like the, the first one, the Saints and Sinners one, you're sitting down at a campfire and, Oh, you're the tourist. And let's tell you a story of when you were in new Orleans and like just that image 
is is startling how much better it is. The lighting, the atmosphere, everything about it is just like, oh, this is going to be an incredible upgrade. And sure enough, as the game unfolds and I take my clipboard out or my map, I can read it. <laughs> you know, like the fidelity, the difference of like squinting and kind of being like, go to market. Oh, market. Got it. Where's market? And like looking around for the in-world signage and stuff like that. And having tracking that works great. Um, as my PSVR 2's tracking has been incredible. The controllers are incredible. And I think that this is a, remains a home run of a game and is now, in my opinion, the definitive way that I've certainly played it. And I think what makes Walking Dead Saints and Sinners so great on PSVR 2 is that it was designed as a VR game. RE7, we talked about how incredible that is in VR. RE8, also pretty dang incredible in VR. Maybe it's just because I played the flat screen version of it first. I felt like the, and I know there's options for some of this, turning some of this off, but I feel like the VRification of some of the items in RE8 didn't add to the gameplay, the reloading, the looking around in first person. I kind of got used to the 2D version of that game. Saints and Sinners exists only as a VR game. And I think because of that, its combat feels stronger. Um, The way that it tells its story and the way it uses the physical nature of VR feels more purposeful. And I really, um, really, really enjoyed it. I think it's a, it's a great, it's a great game. And I think if people haven't played it um, because they were maybe worried about it not controlling well or hearing that it didn't before PSVR two version, I've had zero problems so far. And I think it's a, it's an absolute home run. Another great game for your um, VR, VR horror. Yeah. Um, I'll uh, I'll chime in with uh, another game in the sort of a similar vein, and that is a game called After the Fall. Uh, this is from the same folks that did the very very cool, very early uh, VR breakout hit, Arizona Sunshine. Uh, this is uh, After the Fall is basically Left for Dead, Back for Blood, whatever you want to say in VR. Now. If you've played Left 4 Dead, Back 4 Blood, does it bring a lot of new stuff to the table? No. Is playing one of those games in VR really cool? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, (laughs) it is. Uh, I mean, it does the same thing. It's a co-op experience. Here, zombies are cold. Uh, The thing, uh, I don't know, that's where they're they're stepping out and being unique is the cold zombies, is ice zombies. Uh, Whatever happened, there's like a, you know, whatever it, it snow everywhere ice zombies but you're still shooting zombies and you're still trying to get uh, from one safe area to the next safe area you're going through you're shooting lots of zombies uh it's cool vr style you know you can reload in cool vr it's not doing anything anybody else isn't doing but it's fun to do that stuff and it's uh it's got some really cool interfacey stuff where they use this aesthetic of old arcade cabinets as like the way that the, you know, the underground resistance is, you know, uh, transporting information. So you can find floppy disks and you put them in an old arcade cabinet and it unlocks new items and stuff. Uh, That's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. A little flourish, but ultimately it's the game that you expect it to be. And that game is pretty fun. And in in VR, it's (laughs) really fun because you get to these big, huge, you know, You've been working your way through and, okay, all you got to do is stand on this spot, 
for two minutes and it's throwing all the zombies for, at you from every direction and you're spinning around, you're shooting, you're shooting. Uh, it's good fun. It's good fun. Um, after the fall on PlayStation VR 2. Christian, your yeah, the go. Other one, the other one that I will talk about is uh, C-Smash VRS, which now the demo is out for for everybody to play for free. Uh, I also went out first to patrons, but also went out now on our main feed. I had a... Um, interview with Corey Schmitz and Jörg Tittle, two folks behind uh, C-Smash VRS. And it is an update to the Dreamcast legend, never really came west, um, Cosmic Smash. And you can think of it as Breakout. Um, breakout meets Squash or, you know, Breakout meets Racquetball. Um, I love I love the vibes of this game. I love what it's putting out. I love what it's putting down. Um, the demo now is free for everybody to play. So I think if you have a uh, PSVR two, you should try the demo. I think it really highlights the PSVR twos OLED screens, like the blackness and white. It's like the stark, uh, Michael Jackson scream, you know, video aesthetic, <laughs> and the blackness of space behind there as you're in this space station playing the game. If you're I, alive in 1997. <laughs> yes. And, or if you've it. listened to the bonus interview with Jorg and, and Corey, yeah. we talk about, uh, we talk about scream. Yeah. Um, which if you are listening to this with your children in the car and you want to listen to scream, uh, they say a bad word in that song. One of the rare Michael Jackson songs, uh, that will curse at you in the middle of it. Um, I think it's Janet who actually does the cursing. Um, the demo just has a tutorial, just 10 stage or whatever it is, tutorial, very basic kind of teaching the mechanic of the breaking out, this, that, and the other. Super fun to play. And then it also has a multiplayer mode, which I was like, I'll dive into some multiplayer. I'll see what this is like. And then I remembered I don't subscribe to PlayStation Plus <laughs> <laughs> anymore, um, nor did I for the demo. I have heard that some folks had connection issues with the demo, or like if you were the host, it was just like game on. You know, you're mopping the floor, you know, living your best life. And if you're not, it was less than ideal. I cannot speak to the multiplayer. I don't know how the full game will play out but I found the demo to be both um, relaxing in a way of like, you're just kind of in this vibe and in this space and also um, fun creativity with getting your shots or walls that block your shot. That you have to like bounce up and over. I also moved my PlayStation five and PSVR two into my main living room so that I could play room scale, like actually, you know, not run, but move my body left or right. There's a way you can play seated and use the thumbstick to move your in, in world character but I, uh, I took the time to move my setup into a bigger space, and uh, I loved it. it. It is definitely a game that's made for me, right? Like an old Dreamcast kid bringing this franchise forward and putting it in PSVR 2 with the OLED screen. It's the C-Smash VRS demo, and the full game comes out in June. So you can look at that. I have one more thing I want to talk about, and this one I'm, I'm really excited about. This is where I spent most of my time this week. It's a brand-new release called The Last Worker. And this is a game that's also available, I believe, on a variety of systems as a flat screen 2D game experience. And but made I, by the same folks behind C-Smash VRS. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also supports PlayStation VR 2. Uh, the PS5 version of the game just automatically supports PSVR 2. So that's the only way I have played this. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the only way I'd recommend playing this. I, I, I mean, I haven't played it normal. It's probably pretty fun uh, as a normal 2d game but i have a hard time imagining i'm anybody would have nearly as much fun <laughs> as i'm having so the idea of the last last worker is a very interesting sort of ambitious uh 
take on it, it's a game with really has something to say and that is uh that end stage capitalism is pretty bad <laughs> you play uh in some far future you play a the last worker the titular last worker at a uh amazon warehouse-esque location where there's things that need to be shipped they need to be picked up from one cubby hole and placed into various receptacles to get to the end user uh but because it's the future it's this vast endless uh three-dimensional rows of of packages so you have you, you are this worker who's literally sitting in this cool uh floating anti-gravity chair and you you ha- you can go on the z-axis as well so you're going you know moving through this facility but going up and down these you know infinitely tall stacks of cubby holes where there are packages and so you'll have you know you'll have a uh, a package you need to get you go and you have a uh half-life 2-esque gravity gun that's on your chair and you're the whole game is very cool. I've been playing it seated because you are seated in it and you're in this cool chair. It's got, you know, awesome little um, physical uh, uh, gears and levers and stuff to control it. But you can also just have your hands casually using the sticks. Uh, and it's got like a, a rear view camera or camera rear view mirror that you can look in and you see the face of the character in the game. And the art style in this game is very Borderlands-y. It's like that kind of um, hand-drawn, cell-shaded Borderlands look, which I think works very, very well for this game. Um, anyway, so you're in this chair, and you've got this, you've got this gun in front of you kind of between your legs and your lap, and you pick up this, this Half-Life 2 gravity gun kind of thing. You move to the little cubby. You anti-gravity the box out of its cubby hole, and then you rotate it in front of you, and you got to make sure – its size is the is the correct size that it was advertised and it's not damaged and it um it also is the right weight so it'll have a weight rating that it's supposed to be and then you just you see on your cart whether it actually is the correct weight or if it's overweight or underweight and then you can label the box with this attachment to your gun you like shoot little labels on it if it's damaged or if it you know is the wrong is mismarked is the wrong weight or whatever and depending on those things, you will take it to a different location and drop it into a little anti-gravity thing and it shoots out. And then it gives you a rating. It's like how quickly you did that, whether you were accurate. And then the, the company like gives you little rewards like, well done, you've earned a Christmas tree. Or it's, But it's very like they're constantly talking to you in this very, you know, dystopian, uh, you know, late stage capitalism like – be a good worker. You will be a good worker. And then, so you've do, you're doing that, and invariably, someone breaks through and says, you, "We need your help to fight against." That's called um, the word is written as jungle, but they call it yungle, which like is you know kind of a play on Google yungle. Anyway, yungle, whatever. Anyway, so this company you know is doing horrible things, and you can break through and go places you're not and see the things. So a story starts to unfold as the last work i won't spoil any of it but it gets really kind of cool and it you know it's not subtle it's definitely hitting you over the head with how awful this corporation is and you know very much uh it's got traces of things the that world, are actually happening the world. in the world yeah but, <laughs> yeah say, like right now yeah yeah <laughs> uh but i thought you take off the vr headset you're like oh no i'm still in this v- wait oh yeah. no yeah what? <laughs> i mean i think it's 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 the you know 
I didn't think it needed as many f bombs as it has. Like at a certain point, it like just goes crazy with you know adult language, which I don't. Are they all Janet Jackson again? Is it still? Yeah, is it? Ah, <laughs> they just screams at you. Um, no, I mean I'm not a prude, but you know, and sometimes it's just like you don't need to do. It. It, could, it could have been a game for kids, whatever. I guess it's very adult themes, whatever. Um, but uh, I have very little complaints with it. I, you know, the sort of menial, mundane task that you start out doing and you do over and over in the game before it sort of breaks apart and uh, is fun. <laughs> you know, like it's <laughs> it's a good. It's, I could do that as a job, Frank. You and I, we are gonna let's do this for do real. It. This let's, it sounds good. Sign us up. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> No, but it's, it's cool. Like the, just the, you know, it's one of those things that we always talk about with VR games where things that just aren't fun usually in a video game can be fun in VR because the physical nature of doing it is fun. And that's why I have a hard time imagining this game in a 2D as a 2D game, because it's like this, the fun is using my gravity gun with my hand and like manipulating things and pushing stuff. And, but anyway, um, and then it becomes, you know, when it really gets into it, it becomes like a, you know, a stealth game and all these other things that uh, it's pretty fun. I think it's clever. I think it's it's interesting. It's got a cool graphical style. I this game is awesome. I am uh, I am really loving the last worker in PlayStation VR two. And that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But technique. Yes. Frank Ellerby, thank you for being here. It has been so much fun hanging out with you. I appreciate like it. Sitting on the couch with some friends. I, I really appreciate it. I love the show. Thank Never you. Check out more of it. And, uh, you know, I just hit up my uh, my contact and I'm, I'm like, hey, PlayStation, you know, let's go ahead and try to be our thing. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, let's baby. forget yeah, about me crashing it. into a wall before. Let's just. Let's just try it. Um, so you got me, got me interested. That's for sure. I, right I love seeing the excitement. I played the last worker before and uh, I, you know, I would think like I could start off small, like pressure washer simulator or something. <laughs> you know, that would be very fun to be. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, um, well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, our pleasure. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the awesome stuff that you do online. Yes. Um, if you want to see my lovely, stream uh you can go to twitch.tv slash technique that's spelled like the word technique just chop off the u and e leave the q um and on twitter <laughs> glorious twitter uh you can follow me at uh technique tv so the same way you spell technique but to add t and a v uh and if you're wondering why don't you have your account eh, it's a long story you know I'm, I'm waiting for that guy to give it to me <laughs> <laughs> you know the battles of that but um um other than that um you may hear my voice. There may be some announcements coming up uh, this year. Uh, would, I'm itching to tell people, but I can't because, you know, all that stuff legal. But, uh, yeah, if you if you hear my voice, I have a pretty distinct voice, I guess. Um, I do a lot of voiceover stuff, so that should be coming out. And tomorrow, I will be cracking the mode on Twitter about Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Because, my goodness, yes. holding this in is too hard. But anyway, yeah, that's where you can find me. And thank you again for having me fantastic show fantastic host great vibes and uh thanks for letting me be a part of the experience absolutely absolutely christian spicer what about you what do you got going on this week 
Uh, I have a newsletter you can subscribe to for free where I write long form about video games. You can find it at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. Uh, also working on, as you mentioned at the beginning of this, new episodes of Feeling This. Uh, Mr. Alex Solman and I are recording a new episode this week. We are editing them. There's going to be video and audio versions in season one already available for patrons at patreon.com slash pod. Season two will also be available for everyone over there when we drop it. We're thinking we're going to do uh, season two, part one, season two, part two, like drop five at a time, just because life is busy and we're spending time making video versions of them, but you can find them there. And you can keep refreshing twitter.com slash Spicer to see when I lose my um, check mark. You know, Me you too. See, Me too. That I, happens. It's like I thought fun... it was going to happen already. No. Did you see what they did, though? No, no, they updated it. It now says because, you know, we were notable and now and then we became legacy. Now we're either a subscriber of blue or legacy. Oh, gross. So now it's like, which wow, is worse than losing it. it. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. worse than losing it. Yeah, I, it is worse man. than losing it. You're right. Yeah, it's just like, like not, just take it away. Don't put that. I am a I am me? a transplanted Lakers fan. So yeah, yes, I'm a bandwagon Lakers fan. I've lived in LA now for over a decade. So I, I realize that I'm still a bandwagon Lakers fan, even though being here for a decade. But God, God bless LeBron James when his tweets about I he's know, like, right? y'all, you know, I'm not paying for that. If you know, and if he if is, you know, he's notoriously yeah, cheap. He's notoriously cheap. Like from his signing day, sign is like, what's the first thing you're going to buy? And he was like, I don't know, a two for five meal. I make. I was just like, oh God, yes. <laughs> my LeBron, favorite, you my favorite tweet gift. about that. I loved somebody retweeted him saying that and was like, imagine the cost of hiring LeBron James to write for your website. Now imagine that he was willing to do it for free and what you could have gotten from that. Now imagine getting him to leave because you wanted $90 a year from him. You know? Yeah. I love yes. that. I love that. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Jeff, what about you? Yes, uh, I'm on Twitter-ish. Uh, still, <laughs> Are we? still blue checked for some stupid reason. Um, uh, at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Um, I've got other shows for you to listen to. The the film cast where we talk about movies and TV shows. Uh, we have concerns, a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way, and uh, the fan controlled show, which is a sports show I do on the fan controlled sports and entertainment networks. All of those available wherever you get podcasts. Also, this Thursday, I believe, not to jinx it, we have tentatively said it, uh, Lana Bashinsky and I are going to record the first DLC book club. Uh, we're talking about the first of the Malazan books of the Fallen by Stephen Erickson. It's called Gardens of the Moon. We're starting, we're starting ambitious. These are some of the most uh, highly regarded, but complex uh fantasy novels ever join us on that journey join us uh i will be promoting them uh they're going out to patrons they will go uh, on my youtube channel i think um but anyway it's, it should be good fun talking about uh, these wacky wonderful uh very uh dense books uh read with us and enjoy that so uh, we're going to record that the first one this week len and i are having a ball reading the books all right now that we've said all that, let's wrap things up with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. For 
Frank, do you have uh, a suggestion to help people get through their week? I was like, yes, I do. This is going to be a hilarious one. Uh, There's no swearing involved. But um, so for Christmas, I was looking for wacky things to give, you know, friends. You don't want to give your friends like things that you were by your parents or someone. So we all like to play games a little too much and we take the time to use the bathroom to get away from everyone else. So there is this lovely little gift called the toilet timer. And it is a, a picture of a, a man or woman or whatever your preference is sitting on a toilet and it has sand in it and you turn it upside down and you know, you let the sand go through and you sit there that that gets them off so they won't get dead leg uh, from playing Marvel <laughs> Snap too much on the toilet. And it's it's a really great gift. It's a gag gift, but it's so good because um, it's saved marriages. So you yeah. should definitely check it out. Um, I think it's really great. Uh, they're very cheap. You can find them pretty much everywhere, you know, if online. I'm not going to say any names because we're not going to self-promote them, you know. But uh, yeah, toilet timers. Toilet timer. Yeah, I love the timer. They might have a different name. I try to go with the more... Uh, you know, safe name. <laughs> Those of us with kids, that's the only time. That's my precious time. <laughs> I don't want a timer. Yeah, <laughs> my wife yeah. was like, it took you two hours? Well, it, it was very intense. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was very. Yeah, I lost a feeling in my leg. Sorry. I had to wait until that came back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That is awesome. I love that parting gift. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? You got a parting gift? Uh, I think it's annually I say this. Maybe it's semi-annually, but I try to hit it every year. Spring break is over for us, uh, for my kids here, which means it is now time for spring cleaning. Mm. It stinks. It's the worst. No one wants to do it. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of getting it done. Not doing it, but getting it done. Uh, In this last worker age that we live in, we still had boxes of boxes from Christmas that were just like shoved in the spot we don't use. You know, it's like, well, we, we, the girls got roller skates, put the box over here. Oh, look at this new chairs. And this is so great box over here. And as I'm breaking down boxes with a box cutter and my oldest comes by and she goes, huh, still got boxes from Christmas, huh? Yeah, I do. Hope you had a good Christmas kid. Breaking <laughs> down boxes, boxes. So maybe I it, it not- Santa used boxes. <laughs> <laughs> uh no he gives you the present and gives me the box yeah. boxes and boxes um so if the parting gift isn't to do your spring cleaning because it stinks to do but it's worth it it's maybe to go buy a box cutter a new or replace the blade in your box cutter what a difference that can make i like but I got punching them all boxes well, i don't know what it says about me and my level of <laughs> anger but i like, I a, I like did that. punching a box maybe your waste collectors pick up punched boxes mine need to be broken down flat i don't know uh how it is in denver maybe they just pick up punched <laughs> boxes off a... the side of the road <laughs> you, you punch them flat you, you do punch them to yeah yes, but i mean <laughs> like, like, a, like a fist hole in it I, but i mean like we have it's like it gotta fit in your in your receptacle yeah, gotta, yeah that's cutting. how i do it i punch it yeah. and then fold it flat i punch it to the, break the, the you know let me see those punch guns then. It's I'm the, using a knife. I'm it's that using type a of tape, you know, that paper tape. Yeah. It's easy to punch. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, I do Not think that's that the duct cool, tape stuff. That's the best thing well, about Amazon is they freaking came up with a tape that's like it holds the box together, but it's so easy to get it. Und- I don't know how they managed to make yeah. that. I guess magic. I have one other parting gift to give, and that's to, for me to work out. Um, I <laughs> yeah, join the punch club, the, man. We don't talk about box punch that. club. Yeah. Yeah. Christian's like lowering his well. 
welding mask. And like, I'm just going to break down some boxes. I get into my full Isaac uh, oh, yeah, yeah. space yeah, yeah. armor. Yeah, I don't know how you guys do it. Uh, my parting gift is a new show that just hit Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, it's called The Big Door Prize. I've watched the first three episodes. I am in on this show. It, it, it's mm. got that kind of magical, uh, almost... Um, uh unreal like like a like a fable almost that that level of of it's it's grounded but it's got sort of a layer of magic uh magical reality in it anyway the idea is this town uh has a sort of a general store i mean it's literally called a general store and like i don't know towns that actually have general stores anymore but think of a you know just a a hardware store or a 7-eleven type place and uh one day nobody ordered it but this machine shows up it's like a um like a photo booth machine uh but it supposedly tells you your potential the thing it you put in you put in a quarter you sit in your thing you put your hand on it and it spits out a card with a word that is your potential and some people get really weird esoteric things like the word royalty uh, other people get very, you know, like a teacher or, or, it, but it's just scripted this, or reality scripted. Just... Yeah. No, 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 okay, scripted. Okay. It's a, it's a fantasy show. I mean, it's a, a you know, it's got uh, Chris O'Dowd is, is in it, but it's not really about one person. It's about the town. It's like the entire town. Everybody can't resist the lure of finding out what their potential is. And it's all these sort of stories about what, what would it be like if you read a card that told you what your potential was? Some people get their potential and it's like not at all what their life is right now. So it inspires them to do more things. Others get a, a potential that is depressing or, or disheartening or is exactly what their life is. And what's that mean is like, I'm achieved my potential. What does that mean? Very interesting. It's based on a novel, uh, but I'm digging the show. It's a really cool idea and it's it it's it's almost like a bunch of short stories of all the different people in the town and and their interactions with this thing. Uh, the end of the the end of episode three is like a total gut punch. I'm very excited to see where it goes. Uh, it's called the Big Door Prize. It's on Apple TV Plus. So E3 must have uh, got that potential and <laughs> exactly <laughs> they achieved it. They 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 got as far as they could. <laughs> It turns out Booth Babe was as far as they could go. <laughs> it's my calling right there, man. This, this, this year, dang. Uh, we got a listener-suggested party gift. This was sent to us uh, at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Berg from Sweden, who writes, I-, I know this is preaching to the choir for you guys, but my parting gift is to take any chance you get to go and watch The Midnight Live. We love the midnight. Uh, last week, I had the great pre- pleasure of attending the Midnight's live show in Stockholm as part of their Change Your Heart or Die tour. They played in a spacious event room with a giant with giant chandeliers and ornate decorations at the rustic Hotel Burns, which was such a perfect fit for the warm retro vibes of their music. In uh, in charge of getting the audience hyped up was the Belgian band Goose, which, despite their name, didn't seem all that evil. <laughs> It's a reference to our goose talks uh, with their dance uh, inducing electric rock. Then the midnight took the stage together with three amazingly talented musicians supporting the band with slick guitar solos, charismatic saxophone, 
solid bass and female vocals that perfectly complemented Tyler's delightfully angsty voice. The evening was truly magical, being moved to tears by Gloria, hearing the audience humming along with every note in this of the saxophone in Vampires, all while dancing and singing along until every part of my body ached. There are simply too many moments of pure bliss to list them all, but trust me, if you have not had a chance to see the Midnight Live, that the already amazing music reaches whole new levels when listening to it live. Thank you, Jeff and Christian, for introducing me to the Midnight. I can safely say I have never before sung the words, if we live forever, let us live forever tonight with more emotional honesty. Thank you, Berg. Yes, we, uh, Christian and I, very big fans of the Midnight, uh, friends with Tim from the Midnight, and, uh, you know, just think the world of music we've both seen them live many many times and hope to do many more so uh yes great parting gift thank you berg it's great to hear that they're having this uh european tour and it's going great as well really awesome uh, all right if you'd like to have your parting gift right on a show send it to us dlc feedback at gmail.com is where you send those all right that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Frank Ellerby and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those fun bumpers. Our theme song was composed by White Cube, which is T. Ryan Arnold and Jason Sherry. You can get swag for our show, including T-shirts with our logo, uh, mugs. Uh, you can Stickers, get all that stuff. hoodies, all sorts of stuff. All sorts of cool things dlcswag.com which was created by uh, jesse j anderson thank you jesse for making the site we also have to thank our patrons who make the show possible thank you for your support of the show our top tier patrons the hype train patrons get their names read out at the end of every episode which christian is going to do right now back from spring break and i'm ready to thank our hype train patrons which I think now this is the only hype train there is. Uh, <laughs> the E3 hype train is not. It's done. It's dead. And I know there's like, it's the summer of games. Like, that's good. But does that a hype train? I'm, don't get me wrong. The jingle's excellent. The jingle is excellent. But is that a hype train? I don't know. This is. This is a gosh darn hype train. And it's the only hype train we have. And it exists because of people like Jason Novak. Octavian Ratziu, Christian Bravery, Jad, Peter Olberg, Michael Buck, Mike Lombardo, The Spice Man Silencer, Albert for Herald of Dios, Jonathan, Spice Man Forever, Schlepplefer, Stu Goss, Kevin Brazel, Ben, Dan Palmino, Malcolm King, Mark Gowland, Jonathan Putney, Will with one L. Harris, Chris Zacharias, Jonathan Talbert, Scooby Diesel, Adam Denby, Sasan, Dan Flanagan, Anthony Goulas, Andy Joyce, Matt Valdez, John Sisko, David Epp, The Incredible Hyperboy66, Brian Yordan, The Magnificent. Like, when do you, when did Marvel start doing like incredible, magnificent, spectacular? And like, some people didn't get them. It was just like, The Man Without Fear, Kevin Eddy. Like, I, I guess that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to only do Marvel, uh, uh, The Invincible, Rob, Wonder Rob, Dominguez. Like, that's all I can think of. They're all Spider-Man, uh, Invincible, Incredible, I don't know, Dwayne T. Robinson, Tyler Buckwild Brode, Stephen T. Seifert, 
Joe D. Frank, Scott Lambert, Joe Ruken, Comedian, Aaron Trahan, Curtis from Louisville, Relentless Rex, Michael S., Kyle Starr, Riley Knox, Rob, Ricksman, Hank, Patton, Cheesy Bob, which would be like the cheese, the no cheese, please, Cheesy Bob. I don't know what Marvel would do. I don't know. I don't know. Victor Venezuela, Matt Bradley, Jeff Luxack, Mitchell Ness, Jimmy Radcliffe, Scott Hughes, Jenny, Nate, Zachary White, Yick, Soren Silk, Travis Jackson, Michael Stadler, Nick Strauss-Klein, Josh Peak, Tyler Wigert, thank you for supporting this show, and thank you for allowing us to still have a hype train. The hype train lives, even if E3 dies. <laughs> All right, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.